What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, August 24th. Former President Donald Trump sits down with Tucker Carlson on X on the eve of his arrest in Georgia. Eight presidential candidates battle it out in the very first GOP primary debate. And now word on the street is that mask mandates are coming back. Will you comply? I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. What's doing, everybody? I'm Alec Lace, and for the last five years, I've hosted an award-winning podcast called First Class Fatherhood. For the most part, I've done my best to keep politics out of the conversation, but I cannot do that anymore. That is why I've decided to launch a new show, The Alec Lace Show. So hit the follow button, and let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. If you're watching this broadcast live on Rumble, please get down there and share it. Let's get as many people in here to the broadcast as possible. Uh, thank you, as always, for your support. Hit the like button down there. Uh, drop a comment. Anything you could do to help boost the algorithm here so we can get as many eyeballs on this live as possible. All right, so a lot happened yesterday. The biggest news, obviously, uh, the GOP debate, which I think was trumped by Donald Trump joining Tucker Carlson on X, which was formerly known as Twitter, and it had about 73 million views, I think, in the first 30 minutes uh, of being posted by Tucker Carlson on his X account. I think this was a very smart move by the former president to do this. It gave him the opportunity to talk in details about a lot of the issues and answer a lot of great questions. I think Tucker Carlson does it better than anybody else in the business, uh, really has a good way of pulling out the information from the person he's interviewing. That was no different with Donald Trump. I'm going to play a few highlights from that in just a second here. Uh, But uh, the big news today is going to be, of course, Donald Trump being arrested in Georgia. We saw yesterday many of uh, the other people on the indictment were arrested, including uh, for the, the America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. So they were all lawyers that were getting arrested yesterday. And it's just very, very scary to see what is happening here. We no longer live in the America that we grew up in when we're seeing the justice system being used as a political weapon. And that is exactly what is going on here. There, there is no other reason for what is happening. And they're using this RICO law which is very interesting because the RICO law was enacted in order to go after organized crime and in order to go after the mafia. It was one of the things where, like, if you were racketeering to say, if you were bookmaking bets or you were loan sharking and the, and the crime held like a, a five-year sentence and you would serve maybe 15 months in prison, it doesn't really scare away too many of the old-school gangsters from doing it because it's like you go in, do your bid, you're back out on the street. Now you even got more credit because you took the crime, you did the time, and now you're back out on the street. This RICO law made those same offenses 20-year minimum sentences. So now if you got pop bookmaking or racketeering charges or something like that, it was 20 years per offense. So now all of a sudden, uh, it made it made a big change in the way the mafia operated because people didn't want to get nailed. Now it meant you were going away from most of your life if you got caught. And Rudy Giuliani in New York City knows that law better than anybody else. He used it and pretty much shut down the entire mafia in New York while he was the mayor. Uh, while he was a uh, prosecutor there in New York, he went after all of the mafia heads, including John Gotti. So he's very familiar with this law that they're using, and I think they're going to get schooled when they actually bring this thing to a trial. But right now, it's all about 
not preventing Donald Trump from being on the ballot. I don't think that's I don't think you'll see that. But I think the whole main purpose here is to drag Donald Trump's name through the mud. And I think it's to cost him resources, spend time on this when he could be campaigning. But I think it's I, I think it's totally failed. I think it has had the reverse effect. I think people who support him are going to support him no matter what. And I think people who maybe were on the fence uh, about supporting Trump are now going to see what they're doing to this guy and maybe throw their support behind them because it's it, it is. It is very scary to see them using, weaponizing the Department of Justice the way that they are. And these left-wing lunatic district attorneys that are bringing these charges uh, are are exactly who we think they are. So they, they ran on, we're going to go after Trump. And that was their whole reason for getting elected. We're going to go get Trump. A lot of them, you hear them on, on recording saying it before they even ran. So... Uh, that was the whole point of this. But Trump sits down with Tucker Carlson. Uh, I think he was he was very poised in the way he answered the questions. I think he was very good. Uh, I, I think people enjoyed it. The reaction's response so far has been very good. I think, again, it was a smart move for him not to be there on the stage. With, let's face it. The GOP primary debates are debates for 2028. Uh, it should have been called the debate for 2028 because that's really what these people that were debating are really running for. They're really trying to build up their credit for 2028. Not one of them has a chance of winning the nomination in 2024. There is zero chance. It will not happen. The only way any of these guys have a chance of winning the primary is if Donald Trump passes away or the, uh, something, or he decides not to run. That's it's the only way they have a chance, and it ain't happening. So it's really about showcasing who they are for 2028. I'm going to get into that a little bit more. Here's a couple of highlights from Trump with Tucker on X. Why aren't you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? Well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me that, and many people said you shouldn't do them, but you see the polls have come out, and I'm leading by 50 and 60 points. And, you know, some of them are at one and zero and uh, two and I'm saying, do I sit there for an hour or two hours, whatever it's going to be, and uh, get harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president? Should I be doing that? I think the people of our country uh, don't get enough credit for how smart they are. And I, I'm not sure I would have said this 10 years ago, but they get it. You know, they yeah. really get it. When somebody gets indicted, your poll numbers go down. When somebody gets indicted, you announce, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be leaving to spend time with my family and to fight for the rest of my life on this stuff. But you're out of politics. I got indicted four times. All trivia, nonsense, bullshit. It's all bullshit. The Attorney General of the United States, your Attorney General, yeah. clearly lied about the Epstein death. Yeah, he was, why? he was, uh, certainly it wasn't well done. They had no cameras. They had no anything. Everybody was sleeping. And, you know, there, the case could be made. Look, I'm not going to get involved. <laughs> and I think Trump connects with a lot of us there when he says it was bullshit. It really was bullshit. We all knew that. I remember being um, at the White House and it was when Mueller was on uh, testifying. And I was with all the White House correspondents, and that morning they were all giddy and all happy, like it was a big thing, like they were all, ooh, ooh it's Mueller Day, it's Mueller Day, because we had heard for weeks on end that Mueller is coming, Mueller is coming, beginning of the end, the walls are closing in. We heard that time and time again from the mainstream media, so the big Mueller Day happened. And it was a complete egg. It, 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 nothing hit, and they couldn't pull out what they thought they were going to get out of it. And they were all so frustrated and disappointed by it. And it's obviously the way that they treated him 
in the press corps was completely different than the way they're treating Joe Biden right now. And it was eye opening for me, you know, to be in the press, to be with the press corps and to see how they operate uh, firsthand. I, I remember thinking like this, this, these are the people that are giving us the actual the, the news. They're reporting from the from the White House here. It was a total joke. The whole thing was a disaster. It was all uh, to me just looked like a big con job. And uh, and all of them talking about President Trump in the room openly, openly hating the guy. And they're supposed to be giving you the unbiased opinion fly from the White House. The people that are giving you the news are all full of shit. And that was what I came to, to see in person. And I was there. I, I was there 12 times with press credentials, with first class fatherhood trying to get an interview with President Donald Trump, but unfortunately I was looped in with the media there. And, uh, you know, he, he despises the media and I, he never called on me. I was close. He pointed at me one time and said, you got next go. Like uh, one second, I went to the lady next to me. She asked him some off-the-wall question. He answered and then turned around and went to the chopper. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to get a question. Still working on that. But anyhow, uh, it, it, I think I think Trump... Just like he said in the interview with Tucker, this is a guy that got 11 million more votes the second time that he ran. And everyone tries to make it sound as if people jumped ship on Trump from 2016 to 2020. And that's not true. More people ended up coming out and supporting him in 2020 than did in 2016. He gained 11 million more votes. So you cannot buy into the uh, the nonsense that they're trying to say, oh, Trump, uh, he offended too many people uh, just because of the way he tweeted, the way he uh, the way he made fun of people, the way he calls people names. It turned a lot of people off. That ain't true. If that was true, Trump would have lost 11 million more votes, but he gained them. So by doing so means that people liked not just what they saw with Donald Trump, but they liked the policies. They liked the direction that the country was headed in. And then, of course, what happens? COVID comes and derails the entire economy. Uh, what a what a coincidence. While Trump is firing on all cylinders with the economy, unemployment, he's got everything looking good. And then all of a sudden, here come COVID, it derails the whole thing. And now he's playing defense because uh, I think, number one, he's afraid of his legacy now being tied to this COVID thing, which at the time when it first came out, everybody thought so. We're going to talk more about those masks in the beginning. I mean, in, in a little bit towards the end of the podcast here. But uh, it, it derailed everything, and he was playing defense ever since. And it, God only knows, had this COVID thing not happened, w- Trump would would have easily cakewalked into his second term. But we then, of course, we had the mail-in ballots, uh, which uh, you know Joe Biden got bushels of these ballots in the middle of the night and ended up winning uh, 81 million votes. I don't think anybody for a second even believes that that would be possible. The guy is a total stiff. He's derailed the country. So I think we definitely need to see Joe Biden get upstaged, and it's going to have to be by Donald Trump. And again, here is the presidential debate, the GOP Republican primary debate, the first one being held. Eight candidates, but really it was a two-horse race between Governor Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, as I've mentioned on this show here a few times, now I've interviewed both guys. I've interviewed both candidates. I like both guys. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, I interviewed prior to him announcing that he was going to run, but it was pretty much in the bag at the time that I interviewed him that he was going to run. So I was able to ask him, hey, you know, what, you know, I don't want to ask if you're going to run, but if you do decide, what would be the first thing you would do as president? But one of the things that I really focused on with both of these guys was about the fatherless crisis, because right now, 
parents are the underdog in this country, and it's parents that are going to have to turn this country around. Parental rights are in jeopardy, and we're seeing people, parents in California are standing up. Uh, parents all across this country are standing up, especially when it comes to this indoctrination of kids with this transgender ideology. We're dealing with it here in New Jersey. They're dealing with it in New York. I just spoke about that on Tuesday. They are, they are jamming that hard, and parents are going to have to really pull together. I think the future of this country is going to be the families, and they've got to stand up more so than the politicians. We can't rely on them. It's going to have to be the parents. Now, Ron DeSantis, I think, it, I think him and Vivek are both great dads, great family men. And Ron DeSantis passed the Fatherhood Initiative Bill down in Florida, which was enabling uh, uh, organizations to go and get money to fund them, which are trying to promote fatherhood, to work with dads. We've got to get more dads back into the home because all of these other issues that we're hearing on the debate stage that all of these candidates are talking about, none of it is going to change the direction of our country if we do not get our families back intact. If we don't get dads back in the home, none of the others, none of it is going to be solved. You could talk about the homelessness, talk about the crime, you could talk about the, the suicide, the mental illness, any, any topic that you want to talk about. You can't have the conversation without talking about the fatherless crisis. And so I did that with both Ron DeSantis and Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, So here's the clip. I want to just play you before I start playing the clips from the debate last night. Here's a clip of me speaking with Ron DeSantis about the fatherless crisis issue. I I do think if there's, there's, there's a lot of problems, but if you could just snap your finger and do one thing and you did this where the fathers were in the home, uh, you would not even need to worry about a lot of these other problems. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, and I love what you're doing. And I, like I said, I pray more states will follow suit. Again, well said by Ron DeSantis. I think he is the most pro-family person in politics right now. And I, I like him as the governor of Florida. I had a great conversation with him. I was honored that he took the time to do it because he wasn't doing many podcasts until he ran for president. Now he seems to be, uh, you know, he's everywhere to be found because that's what you have to do as you run. But I found him to be, you know, one of the best guys that advocate for fatherhood that's in politics. And I hope and pray that more governors in this country will do these fatherhood initiative bills just like the Santa's did because we need them everywhere in the country. So that was Ron DeSantis. Vivek Ramaswamy, I did the interview with him on First Class Fatherhood, spoke about it. Here's a clip. Uh, I think the fatherless crisis of not having that male, positive male role model is just crippling our country. What's your take on that? I agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, if if I was to give advice to the Democratic Party and not like they're looking for my advice, but if I'm to give my unsolicited advice anyway, it's to embrace the idea of the family. Make that an area of common ground. I think that'd be politically good for Democrats, but more importantly, it'd be it'd be fundamentally good for the country. If even if we're going to disagree on corporate tax rates or about covid policies, at least we're going to agree about the fundamental governing unit in our society, which is the family itself. And I think that there's in the name of movements like Black Lives Matter, which calls for the death, which called the official website for the longest time, called for the decimation of the nuclear family structure. That's backwards. I mean, even if you want to talk about black empowerment in America, that is the best known system of social and economic mobility known to any community, including the black community in America in history, is the rise of a stability nuclear family structure. So, So what's going on? What's at the essence of wanting to tear that down. Now, what was interesting about Vivek Ramaswamy, and I did come away very impressed, and and as I said Tuesday on the podcast, I had no idea 
who Vivek Ramaswamy was until he announced his candidacy for president. And then I looked into him and I said, oh, this guy looks like he'd be interesting to have on the podcast. You know, he's running for president. Let's see what he's all about. I was pretty impressed with him. And it just so happens that shortly after I did the interview, he invited me to come out. He flew me out to his headquarters out there in Columbus, Ohio, to be on his show, which he was launching. I was one of the very first guests that he had on his show, The Vivek Show. And what really struck me was that here's a guy that's a multimillionaire. He's started companies that became multi-billion dollar companies. And he's sitting here talking to me. Now, I'm a, I'm a mechanic on a railroad and I run the podcasts on the side. He's talking with me about the issue of fatherlessness in the country. And I'm laying down pretty much everything I know and I've researched about it. And here he is sitting there taking notes on what I'm saying. And he's engaged in the conversation with what's going on. And I'm, I was kind of fascinated by that because I'm thinking, like, look at this guy. Like, Now, he's a young guy. He's 30, 30, he was 37, I think, at the time. He's 38 now. But he's a late 30s. A guy that's been an entrepreneur his whole life. He's a guy that came, his parents came from another country. They immigrated here. So he is a guy that really is what the American dream is all about. This this is a guy whose parents came here with nothing. And here's a guy that started companies that ended up going for, for billions of dollars. So it's a great story. The guy is very articulate. He's very well spoken, but he was engaging. He was listening to what I was saying and taking it to heart. He made notes about it. And then weeks later, I see him doing a campaign speech and here he is incorporating some of the stuff that I was telling him into his campaign speech and it was a humbling moment for me because I was like wow this guy got it this guy got what I was saying and so I made a point to say that on Twitter I put this tweet out which is now X but at the time I had made a mention of this and so he quote tweeted I'll put on a board here and he said that's because I had a lot to learn from you Alec Lace and I did and that was pretty cool to see uh, him being able to do that. And I, I, I was impressed by that. So I, I liked Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, and again, I think that he's he's surprising a lot of people. And I think he did so last night. The people that weren't familiar with him, I think, are very familiar with him right now. And I think that he is going to be a serious force in politics come 2028. I see him getting, a, if the Republicans win, if Donald Trump wins in 2024, I would expect maybe a cabinet position for Vivek Ramaswamy. He connects very well with the millennials. And he's, as as I said, he's very articulate in his points. He's not a guy that goes after you to attack you. Uh, He's a guy that beats you with his knowledge and with his steadfast ability to lay the facts out in a very fundamental way. So I really liked what he had to say. Now, again, it was a two-horse race last night. Uh, Governor Ron DeSantis who sounds more like a politician, but he was fired up in this debate. He sounded more into it. He had a little bit more edge to his voice than normal, the way he usually uh, sounds, could, could sound a little robotic, the way he speaks. But last night, I thought he was a little bit more fiery. And I think Vivek, again, he speaks seemingly off the cuff, but he's got a ton of knowledge and, and a lot of prepared answers ready to fire him out. Now, the other candidates, Chris Christie is an absolute joke. The fact that the GOP puts this guy on the stage is a joke. They should have had Larry Elder on the stage last night. Larry Elder is a guy that got screwed out of his opportunity to be on the debate stage. And Larry Elder, you could bet, you've heard him right here on the Alec Lay Show, Larry Elder was telling you, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to make the fatherless crisis one of the main focal points that I'm going to talk about. And he, we really got robbed by not having him there. And you got Chris Christie, who is an absolute joke and a disgrace. I'm here in New Jersey. What this guy did in the state here was a, was a disaster. He'll always be tied to uh, the, you know, the bridge gate. 
but he did not deserve to be on the stage. Uh, Mike Pence. Mike Pence is who he always was. It just took us too long to find out who he really was. And Mike Pence has no serious shot of ever holding a political office again in this country unless he decides to run as a Democrat. Mike Pence's political career is over. So why he's even up there, I have no idea. It's a big waste of people's money who are donating to Mike Pence. The guy is a total joke and shouldn't be there. Other guys like Tim Scott, very likable guy. You're going to see him in 2028. Smart guy. Great points. Again, really good, not for 2024, but I think you're going to see him in 2028. Also could be a possible running mate for Donald Trump. Uh, I I wouldn't mind seeing that uh, Trump-Scott ticket. Uh, Nikki Haley, I I think, is she's, she's, I I don't know. I I I don't want to say... I think that her support for Ukraine is the biggest problem for Nikki Haley. The fact that she still wants to send billions of more dollars to Ukraine is a big issue with Nikki Haley. But again, she's somebody that's been around this a long time. She is very well-spoken. She knows the issues. She knows how to articulate a point. But again, not a serious candidate for 2024. You will see her again in 2028. There's no doubt about that. But again, this was a two-horse race between Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis. Now, I no, uh, Fox News doesn't allow you to play too many, too lengthy of a clip. But here's some highlights that I pulled from the debate. First, let me just address a question that is on everybody's mind at home tonight. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name, and what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? I'll tell you, I'm not a politician, Brett. You're right about that. I'm an entrepreneur. My parents came to this country with no money 40 years ago. I have gone on to found multi-billion-dollar companies. I did it while marrying my wife, Apoorva raising our two sons, following our faith in God, that is the American dream. And I am genuinely worried that that American dream will not exist for our two sons and their generation unless we do something about it. And I do think Brett is going to take an outsider because for a long time we have professional politicians in the Republican Party who have been running from something. Now is our moment to start running to something. I don't care about polls. What I care about the fact is that no one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. The national debt in the United States when I was the leader of House conservatives. I balanced budgets and cut taxes when I was governor. I mean, look, Joe Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. We cannot succeed as a country if you are working hard and you can't afford groceries, a car, or a new home, while Hunter Biden can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on lousy paintings. That is wrong. Here's the thing. Why are we in this mess? Part of it, and a major reason, is because how this federal government handed COVID-19 by locking down this economy. It was a mistake. It should have never happened. And in Florida, we led the country out of lockdown. We kept our state free and open. And I can tell you this, as your president, I will never let the deep state bureaucrats lock you down. You don't take somebody like Fauci and coddle him. You bring Fauci in, you sit him down, and you say, Anthony, you are fired. As president, would you support sending U.S. special forces over the border into Mexico to take out fentanyl labs, to take out drug cartel operations? Would you support that kind of American military 
use. Yes, and I will do it on day one. The only way we change education in this nation is to break the backs of the teachers' unions. They are standing in the doorhouse of our kids, locking them into failing schools and locking them out of the greatest future they could have. So part of the problem is we also have a federal government that pays single women more not to have a man in the house than to have a man in the house, contributing to an epidemic of fatherlessness. And I think that goes hand in glove with the education crisis as well, because we have to remember education starts with the family and the nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to mankind. All right. So as I said, a little bit of a fiery uh, approach there. I know Mike Pence went at Vivek there saying that, uh, you know, this isn't the time for on the job training. I think Vivek stayed on course. And again, I think people probably came away very impressed that didn't know who the heck this guy was. I did notice that Obama reference with the skinny guy with a weird last name. Uh, I don't know why he decided to pull that out, which is in his opening statement, which I thought was pretty good. And I think out of all the eight candidates, I think the only one who really has a chance of being Trump's vice president out of the batch, I would like, I I could go for a Tim Scott, but I think Vivek Ramaswamy has probably the best chance of being a running mate of Donald Trump. Other than Vivek, I think Carrie Lake has a very good chance. And I really wished that after Trump sat down with Tucker, Trump would have asked Tucker to be his running mate. I think that would be a bombshell ticket if the two of them were on there together. But I think right now the favorites would be Carrie Lake. And I think out of the out of the people that were there last night, I think Vivek Ramaswamy. Byron Donalds is another guy that I would love to see Trump choose as a vice president. But we're going to see. We're, we got a little bit of ways to go. And again, Trump getting arrested in Georgia today which is an absolute joke, and it's got to wake some people up to see what is happening here. And I, I, and it is waking. I think it's riling up the Trump base, and they are going to come out full force. And a lot of people think, oh, because they're arresting him, he's not going to be able to run. They're not charging him. The only, the only, only I think offense that they could have hit him with that would have maybe stopped him was the insurrection charge, which never came. So insurrection, sedition. Again, I'm no uh, congressional lawyer here, or know the ins and outs of all this stuff, but I think that's the only one that would have maybe, if he got convicted of insurrection he would be done as far as politics, but that's not what they're even charging him with. So even if he gets tried and charged and convicted here, he could still have his name on the ballot and he could still win the election and then pardon himself. That's the way I call it. Again, if you guys may be a little bit more versed in how all that works, but that's just uh, as an outside guy looking in, it seems like it's just a big smear campaign that's having the absolute worst effect, uh, opposite effect of what they were hoping to accomplish. All right. Now also, uh, one thing I wanted to hit on was the fact that there are uh, rumors coming around. Alex Jones broke this uh, a week ago or so, saying that you're going to see mandates to wear masks, other COVID measures coming back in the fall, uh, starting with the school season. And we're starting to see uh, whistleblowers inside guys releasing reports that the airlines are going to be gearing up to make it mandatory again for you to wear masks on planes. We're going to start. Are we going to start seeing it in school systems again? And my thoughts on this is there's no way in hell that I'm putting on a mask. Now, I, I, I barely wore it. The times that I did wear it, when number one, let me, let, me, let me make this clear. 
I did first buy the fake mask at Fake Mask Worldwide. Uh, you know, and if you've never heard of it, and if you are forced in a situation to wear the masks, get over here. Here's a picture. This is the surgical mask. It's fake. It looks legit, but you breathe right through it, and it's softer on your face. It's not like the real mask. It, it, it's more comfortable, as, as as comfortable as a mask could be. And they have the other one here, the double incognito, and it looks, again, like a mask, but it's screened so you can breathe right through it. These are the masks that I bought for my kids two years ago when they were forcing them to wear it in school. And, uh, and when I had to take a plane, I would take a plane and I would put one of those on. The only other time I wore it was that when I was at the White House uh, in the briefing, uh, I, I put on the mask there as well. But at that time, I was promoting my podcast, so I had a, a custom-made uh, mask to put on. But I recommend if you are stuck in a pinch and you got to wear one, order them up here. For, and I'm not, they're not a sponsor of the show or nothing like that. I just happen to like and support what they do. Uh, so go to fakemaskworldwide.com. I'll put the link in the, in the description down below for you guys, but I'm not wearing it. I know that I remember driving a lot of Uber. And one of the things that would drive me nuts is that people would get into my Uber at the time during the pan. Now, right at the height of the pandemic, I drove Uber right when it started and it was, everyone was in hiding. Uh, I, I made a lot of money because I, there wasn't many Ubers on the road. A lot of them were gone. And people were still trying to get around. But people would ask me if I would put a mask on. And I would immediately tell them no. I said, you want me to, you want me to wait here? You can get another Uber and let them take you. I'm not putting a mask on in my own car because it's absolutely ridiculous. So I refused to do it. And so some people, they, they would take pictures of me and then say, oh, we're gonna, I'm going to upload this to Uber. I said, go ahead, do, do your best. And then you know, as soon as they would leave, I would give them a negative rating and then report them for not wearing a mask. So that would be the whole end of that. But I did the same thing with Lyft and all that. And I even had the, and I've told this story on First Class Fatherhood, I believe, before. But I had one young girl get in the car. I pick her up. It's like 2 in the morning. She's in the parking lot driveway of some house party that's going on college age girl she's making out with this guy or like her plane is going down i'm waiting and waiting waiting finally she comes getting to the back of the car to the back of the uber and i start driving she goes oh, 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 oh you can you put a mask on so i pull over a little bit and i said miss i said you were just making out with some guy at this party and now you're coming in here asking me if i'm gonna wear a mask like what like, what's going on here? I said, is that your boyfriend? And she had said it was somebody that she had met at the party. So I said, I'm not putting the mask on. So if you want to get into the car, you can get into the car. And at the time, it was hard to get Ubers, like as I said, because there wasn't a lot of them coming on. But the mask mandates are ridiculous. The masks don't work. And, you know, all these environmental people, you know, especially here in the state of New Jersey, where they took away our plastic bags. You're not allowed to have a plastic bag when you go to ShopRite or you go anywhere anymore. Now, everything that I buy at ShopRite comes in a plastic container. Every single item that I buy is packaged in a, in a plastic container. And whenever I open that plastic container, I throw it right in the garbage. The only plastic that I ever reused from ShopRite was the ShopRite bags that I brought my stuff home in. And now I'm not allowed to use them anymore. They had multiple uses, garbage bags, snacks, uh, uh, lunch bag, uh, clothing bag to bring extra clothes. I used them for multiple purposes and they took them away because of the environment. Oh, the plastic bags are bad for the environment. The plastic bags ain't doing anywhere near the damage that these masks are doing to the environment. They got billions of these masks all over the place and, and, and they're polluting the oceans, everything. So anyway, the masks are bullshit and you'll never get a chance to see me wearing them again. I ain't doing it. I ain't putting them on my kids. We ain't playing that game anymore. We have, and hopefully the ones that wore it, 
realize how stupid and ridiculous it really was. And they're talking about, that. oh, time to update your vaccine and your booster. Your vaccine, if it worked, if it was a vaccine, you would never need another one again. You got the measles vaccine when you were a kid. Have you ever had to get another one? You never had to get another one. I gave my kids the measles vaccine. They, they, they never had to get another one. The doctor never said, oh, time for that sixth va- uh, measles vaccine. No, because that's an actual vaccine. What they're giving these people is not a vaccine. But people still believe and say vaccine. Oh, this is a vaccine. It's not. If it was, you wouldn't need it 10 times after you got it. And then why would you need to wear a mask if your vaccine was working? These are the same conversations that we had over and over and over again two years ago. And I'm not ready to have them all over again because the ridiculousness of it is off the charts. So excuse my French, but F the masks. They are a no-go for me. Again, if you need to get a fake mask, just order one of those up if you're in a pinch because it is better than nothing. So I pray to God that we don't, but again, I know it's, it's the election variant really is what it is. When 2024 come around, comes around, we're going to get hit with a lot more than another uh, COVID, I have a feeling. They're going to do whatever they can to stop Trump from getting back in office. Now, again, with all this being said, I am pro-Trump getting back into the White House. He needs to be back in there. He's going to win the nomination, whether you like it or not. It's time to get behind him and let's push him back into the White House. We need to stop with all this never-Trumper stuff, just like uh, Ben Carson said when he was here on the podcast last week. You got to stop with this never-Trump or never-this. You got to support because the main goal here is to get rid of these people that are in the White House, this White House administration, because President Biden ain't running nothing. He's just a guy that fits the suit. That's who he is. Have you ever seen that Brady Bunch episode where Greg Brady thinks they're going to make him a big singing star and then he finds out at the end? No, we didn't want you for your voice. You just fit the suit. That's Joe Biden. He just fits the suit. But we got to get that administration out of there and we got to start getting solidarity. We got to start getting a, a, a rally around President Donald Trump to get back into the White House. These other candidates I like, uh, like I said, I like Ron DeSantis, like Vivek Ramaswamy, like Tim Scott. Just they're not winning it. They're not winning the nomination. It's a, it's a big waste of time and money, in my opinion, because Donald Trump wins hands down. He don't even have to show up anymore. He could pull a complete Joe Biden from his basement, not show up until the primary elections begin and he wins by a landslide. So let's stop kidding ourselves. And there's so many people on- online, they're throwing shade at Donald Trump, thinking, pumping up the, what are you doing? It, 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 this is so stupid. You, you think that uh, Ron DeSantis or Vivek Ramaswamy is going to beat Trump head to head in the primary? What, what are you smoking some of that cra- uh, crack that they're giving away for free in San Francisco? Be realistic here. There's no realistic path for anybody else to win the primary, the nomination for the Republican Party, other than Donald Trump. There's no realistic path. So stop the bullshit. Let's get on board here. Love Ron DeSantis. If Ron DeSantis had decided to say, you know what, I'm throwing 100% support behind Donald Trump, just like he threw his support behind me, I think you would see a huge wave of Trump supporters getting right behind Ron DeSantis in 2028. Now that option is gone, which sucks because I think Ron DeSantis would be great in 2028. Now it's going to be harder for him to do it because he's going to have to always live down the fact that he threw Trump under the bus to try to beat him in 2024. All right, so that's what I want to hit you guys with. A program update. If you uh, Tonight, I will be on Fox Business, uh, The Bottom Line, with uh, Sean Duffy and Dagan McDowell. I'll be on there about 6.40, 6.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time if you want to check that out. I'll play a clip from that probably next week. 
so other than that, uh, I just want to say I'll be back here Tuesday, 1 p.m. Follow me on social because I'm, I'm really close to locking down some great guests for next week that will blow you away. So follow me on Instagram at The Alec Lay Show. And I'm going to do my best to secure the guests, just like I've done for you guys here so far. If you missed any of the interviews, any of the episodes, scroll down and check them out. And I'll be back here Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Again, God bless all of you listeners out there, you parents, you first responders, military. God bless America, and I'll catch you guys next week.